Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders in regards to organ and tissue donation and transplantation. Today we'll be discussing patients who have experienced a severe neurological injury and how important the assessment and communication is with their families. My guest is Brenna Romero, someone I had the pleasure of knowing for over 20 years as a registered nurse and a neurosurgical nurse practitioner. You know, Brenna, normally I start these podcasts off with like a little story, especially if there's some connection. And, you know, you and I were talking earlier about basically, I guess, both of our journeys into the medical field. And we basically started, I started with with Lopa and you started as a nurse um, over 21 years ago. And so I feel like we've kind of walked this parallel journey together. Um, and obviously it's uh, it's been a great uh opportunity for us to to work together uh, both as the hospital and the OPO in the capacity and and um, you know um, working in, in the lives of other people so what I wanted to start off with is if you could share us a little bit about your nursing background and how it led to you to your current role now sure absolutely I have about 21 years total two of those years the first two years were spent just sort of getting acclimated to nursing as an RN as a new RN um, and that was on a, a cardiac slash pulmonary floor. Then that natural progression sort of um, was to go to the ICU and take care of more critical patients. And then that took place for about um, 12 years, 10 to 12 years, somewhere in there. And then I transitioned over um, to the neurosurgery nurse practitioner position here, which was much needed. Um, and it was sort of a natural progression with taking care of quite a bit of um neurosurgical and neurology patients. One of the things I, I would say, Brené, is that, you know, in that time, I know that uh, whether it was people that worked for the OPO or those that worked with you at the hospital themselves as nurses, that, you know, one of the things that was always said was about your, the sincere genuineness of the care that you have for your patients and family. So, you know, I really think that it wasn't just something that was, that you chose. Uh, I think that it was something that you were truly gifted to be a part of. And so, um, you know, it's been uh, extremely rewarding to see, you know, the growth in, in what you're a part of now. I think that the human connection is is paramount over anything and that you have to have that connection and you have to be able to perceive each of these patients as a human, as your family, um, you know, in that bed. And if you can do that, it, it can take you far. Now that you've transitioned into, you know, the neurosurgical realm what are some of the the challenges that you see i mean there's so much complexity you know to these particular patients what are some of the things that you could speak to sure there are and that actually speaks to why the position was um, initially established in the first place we wanted to streamline our process you know if you have a very large team and you streamline the process, you have better outcomes for the patients, better education for the nurses, better understanding for the families. We wanted to establish a family advocate, somebody that's there every single day watching the progression of the patient, someone that can go and speak to the patient's family every day and build upon what's going on, um, explain those diagnoses, explain the plan of care, um, and it increases your quality, their understanding. It's an all-around win. It's that connection, it's bridging between nursing 
and medicine. So when you're talking about these neurological injuries, because and there's there's so many that we could talk about. I mean, this is, you know, the role that y'all play is so significant in improving the quality of life for so many people in a wide range of conditions. But and then sometimes ultimately saving their life. So there's so much that we could that we could talk about. But in general, when you're talking to a family you know, about the severity of these neurological injuries. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of the communication that takes place, the consistency, the language, the timing, all those different things that kind of plays into part of it? So some of it comes from a place of like a natural emotional intelligence. You have to feel out the, the scenario and the family members. Everyone comes from a different knowledge level, first off, and how you're going to speak to them and present the information and understanding where they are. Um, some families are more realistic and want to hear very raw details where there's some you have to take care to kind of slowly bring in um, each day what's going on and the details and the, the plan of care. I always start with, Tell me what you know, and we'll we'll build on that. And then I will show them pictures to kind of make it real. And then we'll talk about, sometimes I'll even do a neurological exam in front of the family if it, they want to see it. So that way they understand where we are, what that part of the brain connects to, uh, what it controls. And that way they have just a sort of proof and evidence of what I'm telling them, and they can verify as to how their family member is um, is responding to the exam. I think just building every day on uh, what's going on each day, what did today's scan say, being very clear with them and communicating, hey, we're better today or we're worse today, and this is what this means. It's a lot of explanation um, and a collaborative approach with all of the, the groups like the trauma team and the ICU intensivist. Um, so it, it really provides the family more information, um, definitely eases some of their anxiety. But I have to pause here for a second and just say, like, can we replicate you and, and put you a little bit of everywhere? <laughs> and it's really not a joke because I, as I'm listening to everything that you're saying, it just resonates with me on that the communication aspect of it is not just the talking. It's the listening. And that was something that you were, you know, referring to about basically meeting the family where they're at. Because, you know, before you can move in different directions, you kind of got to know where where they are so that you're just not kind of pushing things along to where, you know, they're not understanding. Because um, how many times have you or the doctor that you're working with explained something to a family, but they just haven't been able to receive it yet? That's right. They can hear the same thing a million times. And until you go in and make that connection, you have to see where they are. Are they ready for this information? You have to be able to emotionally have that intelligence and judge how much information they can handle at one time, even for instance, you know, it's not that you're withholding anything, but you're very careful in your, in your conversation. Well, I think the visualization that you're talking about, and I know I'm, I'm speaking for myself kind of, but, you know, I know oftentimes in even the, the organ procurement world, the visualization of things, the, the explanation, it provides them so much more of an opportunity to truly understand, because as you well know that, you know, brain injuries sometimes can be very difficult, you know, because you know, if it's just, you know, like a closed head injury or an anoxic brain injury or something like that, you know, it's not really going to show any signs outwardly. So you really have to explain those things. Can you share with me, you know, because I'm sure there's so many stories that you have, but, you know, in a very difficult situation, whether it's the injury of the family and, and how you all work through that, whether the other thing too is, I don't mean to jump all over the place, but one thing that I was you had referred to is because your job, y'all's job as as a nurse practitioner is so 
very important because, you know, you're oftentimes spending more time with that family. The other thing is, too, is that you're a bridge between everyone else that's involved with that family. So it's so important as a team to make sure that that family is being taken care of. What I was going to ask you for the example of is, you know, a really difficult situation where you all were able to uh, really work towards the family's understanding and like what that outcome was and, you know, what that meant uh, for the patient and for the family afterwards. Um, absolutely sure. I can think of quite a bit of examples, but there's one that comes to mind in particular. Well, we had this um, young patient that we knew this was not going to be a good good ending, you know, from the start. There's some that you just know there. this is going to be catastrophic, and unfortunately, there's nothing that we're going to be able to do to to change the situation. And when that happens, and they're already pointing to signs of like obvious brain death, uh, that's a different conversation. And then we have to uh, let the family know what that means. And oftentimes families, depending on knowledge levels and things of that nature, we have to stop and say, yes, they are, you know, on the ventilator. And yes, you may see like reflexive activity, but no, you know, that doesn't mean that, that we don't have all of the uh, information that points towards a, an unfortunate exam that states that they're um, heading towards brain death or, or either are brain dead. So we had a patient that uh, was indeed um, confirmed to have approached brain death or was brain dead. Um, and we had to speak to the family and let them know this. And you know, some people just don't make the connection that because their heart is still beating and they're still breathing of the gravity of what's going on. So getting into deeper conversation with this family, um, when we have to talk about the the very hard subjects um, and the finite subjects, um, such as brain death, um, the family had lots of questions and there was a lot of explaining um, that had to take place. And I think it's just taking the time to answer their questions and making sure they understand uh, regarding brain function that um, it's unfortunate when um, the brain death studies come back, you know, confirming. Um, but we have to then tell them, answer the hard questions that know their, you know, their family member is not going to survive this. So, Brenda, one of the things I wanted to ask you, or at least uh, get your opinion on, is whenever you all are planning brain death studies. So I know that we're probably going to go into, you know, a patient that does have minimal brainstem reflexes and what that looks like. But as far as for a patient that you're anticipating that possibly is brain dead and you're going to be doing brain death examinations, how important it is for you to prepare the family for that test and the results prior to the exams taking place? I think it's uh, very important to explain to them what's going to happen and that there are various um, tests that do confirm brain death, um, such as like nuclear studies and also what things like um, even down to code calorics and uh, what these things mean, apnea testing. It's very important to explain in detail what they mean to the family and what either, you know, a passing or um, failing result means. Mm -hmm. The more information that they have, I think the better equipped they are to determine, you know, further plan of care. I also feel that we've evolved and really um, gotten so much better at discussing with the family, even 
the different components of brain death studies, anything from nuclear med tests to apnea studies to what we're actually testing, like code calorics and what that means for the anatomy and physiology and functionality of the brain. Uh, and that also eases anxiety on family, just letting them know, hey, we're testing and we're doing all of these things um, you know, to show you what direction we're moving in. So that evolution in itself has been amazing uh, that we take the time and the entire team takes the time to explain um, what we're doing for each of these tests. Well, I think the other thing that that's doing too, which we haven't even talked about is, is the trust that you're building with that family. You know, regardless of what the outcome is, is that, you know, that family, uh, everyone that's involved is having trust in, in what you all are doing. One is is to ultimately do everything you can to save your life, which you are. And then when you get to a point, you know, knowing that the the injury or, or whatever the case may be is has been so catastrophic that they're prepared for what the outcome is. That's right. And you know, regardless of whichever path they whichever path they're going to choose, whether it be organ donation or not, these people want honesty. They want honesty and they want um, transparency. Well, Brenda, listen, we can talk forever about this, and and, and we are, actually. We're going to go ahead and and end this episode here. On the next, we're going to pick up kind of basically getting at that crossroad and having conversations with families about, you know, um, the prognosis and maybe some end-of-life decisions. So I am so happy to be here with you, and I look forward to our next episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being someone that truly cares about organ and tissue donation. It really matters. You can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Connected by Life on your favorite podcast app. And remember, You're a light worker. Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz. Our production assistant is Chandra Williams, and we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.